And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 289, aka Year 6, Week 39, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your regularly scheduled recording, those phone numbers for you to just ignore are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So are you excited to see where we're going to start off this week, gentlemen? Oh, yeah. Do you have a list of things for us that you want to talk about? Oh, of course. (laughs) Unless, Unless you have something you want to start with first. No, just just politics is funny. That's all. Sons of bitches. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's jump right into it. Then headline: uh, The internet offered us freedom. We chose corporate rule. Huh? Uh, from the Center for a Stateless Society, uh, the left market anarchist think tank and media center. Um, as always, every time I use them as show prep, I caveat by saying what you're about to hear. Um, may not be completely in alignment with the anarchist experience because there are certain areas that they deviate from. Um, and so just be aware. Uh, read any of the classic cypher, punk, and crypto anarchist writings, and one thing is clear. The internet offered us freedom. While the open source and peer-to-peer movements are still alive and well in certain corners of the internet, most of us have chosen corporate rule instead. While cryptocurrency offered us a medium of exchange that could be independent of Wall Street, big banks, and the dreaded state, many flock to exchanges that require you to confirm your identity to the state, and some even link their bank accounts instead of using resources such as local bitcoins that would allow for more anonymous transactions. While the P2P movement offered us a vision of the sharing economy that was truly peer-to-peer, Many instead praise the likes of corporate apps, which act as a third party between peers, setting the rules and taking a cut of the profits while providing little more than an app in return. An app that could have just as easily been crowdfunded into existence, owned cooperatively by its users, and made open source for all to utilize as they please. We hail the likes of Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, etc. as examples of the sharing economy instead of looking towards true sharing economy options such as cell 411 ridesharing or couchsurfing.org, which operate in a truly peer-to-peer, anti-corporate fashion. While we were offered decentralized and encrypted forms of communication and social media, many of us still flock to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, and TikTok, instead of the likes of Mastodon, Minds, MeWe, Element, and Signal. All right, I'm going to step in right there and just say that the anarchist experience has a presence on Minds and MeWe, um, and I am personally on Element and Signal. Never really found a use for Mastodon. Uh, Thus, allowing our data to be farmed for profit and handed over to the government agencies under the guise of security. We could have easily chosen our privacy, but instead chose convenience. Although I'm unsure about what exactly is convenient about willingly letting others invade our privacy when perfectly functional alternatives exist, and then after willingly handing these big tech platforms so much power, some act surprised and betrayed when these same platforms censor and ban people for their political views or other metrics which they have chosen to enact via hierarchical decree. 
While we were offered open source and or encrypted options such as Linux, GIMP, IceDrive, CryptDrive, OpenOffice, CryptPad, RiseUp, ProtonMail, etc., many still choose options like Windows, Photoshop, Google Drive, Google Docs, Gmail, etc., thus lining the pockets of corporate fat cats and further centralizing their control over the internet instead of embracing decentralization and empowering smaller creators and communities to share and collaborate with each other to create a multitude of amazing platforms. At a time where video conferencing is much more necessary, Zoom is making money hand over fist and continuously flaunting the fact that they don't care at all about customer privacy or excuse me, consumer privacy and having the audacity to provide encryption services only to those who pay extra after they were outed for not encrypting at all, despite claims that they were. All this while truly safer encrypted alternatives such as Jitsi and Agora.io go largely unused by comparison. Hell, even here at C4SS, we self-proclaimed anarchists still can't help but give ourselves over to corporate rule. We operate out of a Google group. We do our editing on Google Docs and we use Zoom for our meetings. We sell through Amazon and we should know better. Uh, by the way, you can purchase their books from their personal store instead of buying via Amazon, so no need to support a company who contracts with ICE. The internet offered us freedom from corporate control, and yet we threw that offer away to gladly continue the tradition of licking corporate boots. Many claim to do it out of convenience, but since when is it convenient to hand over all of our personal data to big tech companies willingly? Uh, the internet offered us freedom and we squandered it, yet the offer is still there. It's within our reach. We still have the chance to cash in on that offer and make the internet the bastion of freedom it was prophesied to be by our cypherpunk and crypto anarchist forebearers. It'll be a process. It won't always be e the easiest or smoothest transition. It will take some time and research, but damn if it's not worth it in the end. So let's get to work creating the internet we long to see. Uh, so I'm going to throw this to you guys. How guilty are you, uh, based on their list of, of companies, of contracting with corporate fascists. Uh, I'm not <clears throat> guilty at all. Um, there's a lot of different uh, things that, that affect what people use. Uh, one of them, um, Jordan Peterson talked about, is called the Pareto Principle. Um, it's basically uh, there's certain out, you know outlying outliers that, that people eventually flock to and uh, because everybody's using it that means more people will use it the network and, effect and that yeah network effect basically and so yeah just they, they get stronger and stronger with every person that, that joins and uh, it makes it more usable and, and better and um yeah i don't i don't really see a way around it yet it's like um i mean w one thing that is important is for everybody to uh, talk about it. Um, for example, if if nobody cared, then uh, you know YouTube and Twitter and Facebook would uh, would in enforce things a lot a lot more. But they they are called out so much uh, that there is uh, at least some pressure to not block anybody that they. Uh, you know just disagree with you have to you have to be especially bad you you have to you have to hate biden in order to get uh banned recently anyway do you think that's getting worse though 
because one of the uh, memes I saw on social media was was first they banned Alex Jones and now the Washington Post, right? Right, like the those two are not in the same category as far as uh, news and factual information dissemination. Well, it's not about factual or not; it's about their their agenda, and their agenda is they don't want anybody to know anything about Biden. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is you said that it's it's not the same or what it, what did you just say cuz I <laughs> I'm going to confuse myself here because I'm trying to say that Alex Jones uh, that the banning the Washington Post uh is is a much more egregious uh violation of that trust than Alex Jones. I, I don't think it's any more egregious. I think it's the same thing and I think Facebook would ban a lot more things that they disagree with except uh I that mean, they're getting you, you, pushback yeah they get pushback and i mean it's just it's not good for their platform they have a platform that's based on people talking to each other so it doesn't make sense to to ban half the population even though there's a lot of people in the in the corporation that would want to so um it could well, get they a lot shut worse. down groups left and right they shut down pages left and mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. um so it, you know, it could get a lot worse, and if it does, then eventually, uh, well, they they will help c- create their their own competition, and so there there is resistance to do that, and uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm 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 not so concerned about it. I guess um, it's like there's a lot of manipulation in you know with propaganda, and and there's going to be people left in the dark uh no matter what you know just even based on their own their own choice to be uh you know purposely not see things you know sure um, may may I just pose this thing here weren't they shutting things down not initially because they disagreed with it but because they faced a lot of criticism and were trying to respond to the pushback and the the criticism comes from people how come you're not screening out this okay so then they start and the reason they did so is because congress was calling them in and having mark zuckerman yeah. sit in front of him and say but, look if you don't do this then we're gonna come in with a hammer but at the same time mark zuckerberg wanted them to do that to him they he he mark zuckerberg personally felt responsible for trump winning and that's insane you know <laughs> Because the the amount of minds changed and votes gained from uh, whatever uh, uh, Analytica company, Cambridge Analytica, was that the yep, one? Yeah, Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. So w- however many minds they changed was minuscule. But they made a really big deal about it because they lost. They said, well, we we must have we, – we missed something. How could we po- possibly uh, – you know, not have control over people's minds. You know, they thought they were doing it right. And so this time they think, oh, we're going to do it better. And they still don't get it. You know, their incompetence is mind-boggling about, you know, oh, we're going we're gonna to ban some information about Biden's son. And all of a sudden that will, you know, help Biden out somehow. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, well it would help <laughs> if you see the information you can understand why no, that is no i mean i can understand why they would want to but just by them banning it makes it seem like 
okay, you don't want me to see this. Now I want to see it. <laughs> you know, it's not going, it's not helping Facebook. It's not helping Biden. It's not helping the left. It's not hurting Trump. You know, everything that they're doing is completely ridiculous for uh, a platform that, you know, people talk on, you know. But, but not banning it, right, and letting even more eyes see it, the, the casual users of social media who may, you know, be deciding on who they're going to, you know, vote for in a, in a couple yeah. of weeks. Um, if those eyes don't get on it and it doesn't hit the, the mainstream media, maybe, maybe they went, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe there's only, I, maybe the vocal minority of people is just the opposition. I, I I would like to see, I mean, it's impossible, but the, the stats on, like, on, on election day, how many people have seen, uh, you know, information related to Biden's son and, you know, and to, and to what degree, you know, what percent of the population uh, knew about it? I don't really care if they cared about it or not, or if it changed their vote, just how many people actually saw it. And I would say probably most people uh, will have seen it. <laughs> Cass, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go I, ahead. I clicked on one of those on it was on Facebook, and I clicked on one of the uh, Daily Times or something like that. And uh, the information they had about Hunter Tom, uh, Hunter Biden, was uh, pretty innocuous. I mean, right. there, there must have been more to it, but I mean, all that the all that this story told about was this guy is uh, personally troubled. He's uh, got an alcohol problem, and he's personally messed up. But uh, and he's you know, but yeah, it, and he's, didn't and he's making anything about millions of dollars, millions of dollars being on a board of a oil company uh, that he has no business being on. Yeah, I mean, well, I know that, okay, I know that from other sources, <laughs> right? But, but the, maybe maybe they screen out the more salacious types of things. I'm the, gonna uh, say they do because that's not even like the half of it, uh, as far as media that I've seen in the last week. So t to fill you in, I guess, Cass, um, his, his personal troubles are one thing, right? There's, there's a picture of him either asleep or passed out uh, with, a, with a, a glass pipe of unknown content, right, dangling mm -hmm. from his mouth. We're, we're going to call it a crack pipe because uh, that's what everyone else is presuming it to be. Right, it looks typical of every crack pipe I've ever seen. I, uh, understood, <laughs> but I've only seen the picture. I have no idea what was in it prior to him passing out or falling asleep with it hanging out of his mouth. Right, um, so personally troubled, uh, the drug addiction, the drug abuse, the alcohol, yes, also part of it. Uh, the making money in Ukraine, yes, a part of it, and then there was the millions of dollars um, for for which he acquired by making introductions uh, of certain uh, foreign dignitaries to his father when his father, Joe Biden, uh, was vice president. Mm -hmm. So that was recently in the emails, like, here, here, here's $10 million just for introducing us to Joe. And uh, when, when questioned about this prior, right, Joe has said, no, I've never met those people. I've never been, you know, there's, there's no money exchanging hands, and I've never uh, had a meeting with those people. And then the, the emails come out right, that might be hidden from the articles you're viewing, Ken, uh, KS. Um, they say like, well, thank you for setting up that meeting with Joe. It was, you know, it was a pleasure speaking with your father, right? So so, so some, some evidence, uh, I'm not going to say clear, but some evidence uh, towards some very shady, possibly even corrupt practices 
uh, by the former vice president and current presidential candidate, right? Yeah, and, and blatant lies. And blatant lies. So, but if you're only getting part of the message, uh, like KS, right, where it's, well, his son's just troubled, right? Who doesn't have a troubled member of their family, right? Then you're not, you may not be swayed uh, to vote against that person in the upcoming election. Whereas if it comes out that he's taking meetings uh, with foreign powers, uh, F- with his sons getting paid off for setting up those meetings, well, maybe maybe that breaches a line for you, uh, and you cast your vote elsewhere. Yeah, and and to me that wouldn't be a, def- a deciding factor. It's like that's that's probably just the way it goes a lot of the time. You know? Sure, you you want access to a politician, uh, you'll pay for it. And you'll pay the, the, the guy's son to, to set you up. You know? Whomever has the easiest access, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, that's not that shocking. But um, the deals that, that Biden obviously has the power to make, those, those type of deals, those, those are still the things that we don't really know about so much. So let me ask you this question, uh, KS, because I, I think you're more qualified to answer it than me, especially at this point. Um, is there... Is there really that many people in the voting public still on the fence at this time? Like, I, f- I feel like uh, everything is so polarized. Well, with mail-in ba- ballots, a whole bunch of people, yeah, have already sent in their choice. <laughs> Maybe 10%. I don't know. Okay. Well, but, but I mean, though, like, I, I can't imagine there being, you know, 40, 50% of the population going like, let me just watch this next debate. Then I'll really make up my mind. No, I think um, the 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 ones who are disinterested, who haven't made up their mind, and I think it's it, it could be a very large number because they're impulsive. They work on the latest thing they heard. That's why these kinds of scandals are are wait, saved to break two weeks before the election, because they know that a lot of people are whimsical you know if they they hear something really bad about biden then they might they might say oh, okay well he's he's as bad as trump okay i'm gonna vote for Trump." i think a lot of people don't really care it's insignificant they're not going to watch the debates because they're not interested enough in that they're busy with their own lives and then when it comes down to voting if they bo- bother to vote they will vote on the last impression that they had okay you, you, you go to the journalists they'll say they're interviewing people. Some people have made up their mind, but other people, I'm still not made. I haven't made up my mind. Well, it's going to be the last thing that hits them just before they go into the voting. Okay. Group. I just, I find it difficult to believe that there's that many people who haven't made up their mind yet. And maybe that's because I see a lot of polarization um, in, in other areas uh, in the media where I, I go like, who's, st- who's still thinking about this? Um, that being, <laughs> that being said, did Trump get COVID too early uh, or too, you know, like would would that have been scandalous a week from now? Like, oh my God, you know, could have swayed it the other way, or was it good time for Trump to get it because the Biden revelation came out afterwards, and no one remembers that after you know, after saying, ah, oh, this thing is passing and whatever, you don't need to do this, and then and then he gets it, right? Like, what's what's the next scandal uh, to look for? Is this it? Like, what what's the next? What's the expectation in oh, the next? There will of weeks? be more. I'm sure that there will be more. There's this two weeks yet, and. You're, MC is absolutely right that yeah, a large number of people have already sent their votes in, but still the decisive ones are are gonna come in yet to come. Yeah, 
This is a huge, huge. I mean, there's more independents than there are Democrats and Republicans out there. So um, a lot of libertarians, I might say, who can't decide whether or not to um, vote their conscience or to vote. Um, I'd say that a lot, probably the majority of libertarians are are somehow decided, well, I've got to vote between Trump or Biden because that's that's where it really counts. When in fact, like a state like Hawaii, that's going to go overwhelmingly for Biden, their vote doesn't matter at all because the electoral college is already decided here, no matter what they vote for, you know, so. Well, and typically the election's decided by the time Hawaii like opens up the, the voting booths. Well, by time <laughs> zones, but that's in the single day. But even at that, I'd say that there is zero chance that the, because it's an overwhelmingly democratic. Keep in mind, the state Senate has, I don't think, even a single Republican in the state uh, Senate here. Maybe, Jesus. Maybe a handful of the state House of Representatives. It's overwhelmingly uh, five or six, maybe 10 to one. And um, it's, it's an overwhelmingly democratic state. They're going to vote for Biden no matter what. So the Electoral College is already gone. It doesn't matter. If you go down there and say, I'm going to vote for Trump because I think it's going to make a difference. No way in state because the Electoral College dominates every state. True. And that that should be um, an argument against voting in, you know, at least in federal elections for the president. Right. Like you or or for voting for Joe Jorgensen, because, you know, you vote your conscience to make a to make a, a send a message regardless of what you expect its impact is going to be on this election. You're trying to think long-term, what's the impact down the road? But the, the winner-take-all system is almost impossible to overcome. The, the, the Libertarian Party has been on the ballot in all 50 states since 1980. They've been the third largest party since 1971. And uh, still, there's absolutely zero representation in Congress or, or this, not even recognition by the media because this winner take all system is, is yep. so stacked. Well, and so I've, I've mentioned it on here before. I'll reiterate it very briefly just because we're talking about it. Um, the question has been posed a number of times in, in some different ways on what it's, what is it going to take for the libertarians to win? Um, and my answer at this point, and has been for a little while at least, is um, just lie to voters, right? I mean, that's what the other two parties do with success. So if the goal is if the goal is to run a principled campaign where you get the message out, fine. Uh, don't expect to win. Uh, if you want to change, you know, the Libertarian Party to a party that uh, uh, that can be victorious. Um, my suggestion is that you use the strategies of the parties that are victorious. And well, no, I don't, I don't think you, if you wanted to, to lie to voters, then you wouldn't do it as a libertarian. You do it as a Democrat or Republican, join one of those parties. They do it all the time. Yeah. No, but let me, let me suggest there's another, another way. The most radical free market reforms of the 20th century by an industrial country was New Zealand. And it was the socialist of New Zealand, the labor party that did it. And this is shocks, blows people's minds. How is this possible? Well, because, and they didn't have to lie to the voters. They, uh, the National Party, the, the, the conservatives in New Zealand had privatized everything. They did everything contrary to what 
conservative ideology recommends. They had very high taxes, very high tariffs, very um, heavy subsidies to the farm sector. They did all the things that you know the conservatives say they're not doing, except that the reason why parties do the opposite of what they promise because they're trying to win over their opponents. They're not trying. To, they've already got their supporters. Right. And so the Labour Party uh, swept into office because it had been so badly managed under the Conservative Party, they were deeply in debt. But they didn't lie at all. Uh, Roger Douglas, who wrote a book, There's Got to Be a Better Way, spelled out everything he was going to do, but he had a plan that made sense. It was based on Hayek and the uh, Labour Party accepted it because nobody else had a plan. And they implemented it lock, stock, and barrel, radical free market reforms. They ended the heaviest farm subsidies in the world overnight, in, in, in three months, gone. Paris dropped completely to zero. Taxes cut in half. Privatization of all the major sectors of the uh, nationalized by the industry, you know, oil, um, uh, the railroads, uh, forests, everything privatized. Uh, they cut income taxes in half. All of these very, very radical reforms, they became the most uh, free economy in the industrial world with the Labour Party, the socialists. And I'm, that's why I'm suggesting that maybe it's not from the Republicans you, that anyone should be expecting any kind of radical free market reforms. Hopefully you could find uh, some radical leftists that uh, sweep in and get rid of all these government controls. I asked Rod Richard Preble, he was here for at a conference speaking in Waikiki. He was the second in command under Roger Douglas as assistant finance minister. I said, you're, you're on record as being a socialist, always have been, always will be. How is this associated with radical free market reforms? And he says, because as a socialist, I was always against privilege. And I came to realize that every government program was a privilege to some special sector at the expense of the many. So I decided to get rid of it. And it worked in, in New Zealand. And I would say if you're ever going to get it, of course, that's still a parliamentary system where you have proportional representation. So, But it was the Labour Party that did it. Sure. Uh, that it's possible, maybe not probable, but it's possible uh, in a country like the United States as well. Don't you think, though, that doing that as the Socialist Party uh, there was somewhat of a betrayal um, to the supporters of the Socialist Party who wanted real socialism? No, you... because they got elected in 1984, and in 1988 they were re-elected in a landslide because they were so successful. Okay. But what I'm saying is, in order to get elected in 1984, were they promising all this radical change, or were they promising, you know, uh, a socialist revolution of some sort, and well, then decided? I'm guessing that the supporters of labor said, "Well, we're labor because we we're for the working man." Okay. okay. They they weren't ideologically dead set against the market. They were just saying we're we're for the for the working man, for the worker. And these guys showed how it benefited the worker. The farms after they ended their subsidies, actually had more people on the land working the farms than ever before, earning more than ever before without any subsidies. Okay. And then they became the strongest advocates of getting rid of the subsidies for everybody else. So if I we do can do it, then so can we, and so can you. And then uh, it snowballed because of success. That the, the socialists in the U.S. are not for the working class. They are against the, the wealthy. 
All yeah. right. Uh, uh, real quick, MC, your microphone's doing the whole bassy thing again. So if you want to oh. take care of that while KS responds, um, you can respond to that KS, but I want to throw in a, an additional question for you as well. What is it about the Libertarian Party in the United States then where they're ad- openly advocating such policies and gaining zero traction? Uh, like what, what can they advocate differently to become the party of the average everyday man so that they have the opportunity to implement those policies and prove themselves right? I, I think MC is absolutely correct that they're not that the the left just is against the rich, you know, because even many of them are middle class and most of them are middle class. Um, but I, I so for, for the, the libertarians, then been, the libertarians have been very, very ineffective at conveying their message because, you know, they've they've been ensconced among themselves and they talk about the fed they talk about uh legalization of marijuana they talk about things that don't connect with the common i mean i listen to that when i i hear the the campaign platform of the local libertarians and i think i don't think anyone's in in this state's going to buy it because it doesn't really speak to the issues uh that that they're concerned so the libertarian libertarians party get caught in their own little world yeah, sure. So the Libertarian Party platform, then, if you want to reach the everyday man, could just be eat the rich. And then when you say, like, well, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to level the playing field so that, you know, the rich don't get the unfair advantage, don't get the government handouts, don't get the subsidies, uh, and that the average everyday man can then compete on a level playing field. And thereby, no more rich people, uh, not, by ta- not by taxing them out of existence, um, but by out competing them at every stage and not giving them the opportunity for an, an unfair advantage. Would that work? Yeah, I think uh, more effective than what they're, what they're doing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think there's a way that you uh, always a matter of persuasion. I suppose you could uh, go to Dale Carnegie's course and how to win and friends and influence people. You just, the, the idea that you have to approach every issue in a way that, that resonates with uh, the, mind and ear of the person you're speaking to if you just batter them in the uh with preaching that's why i like humor i think the best most unappreciated form of persuasion in any society is humor satirize the enemy that take take them down a notch don't don't try to batter them down but undermine them with with mockery that's why tyrants always imprisoned um the satirists and the people who would because the one thing they can't stand, they can stand up, Trump can stand up against anybody in debate, and any anybody can, you know, but uh, and you just bash back. But nobody can stand up against mockery. They hate mockery. It's, uh, it's shameful to them. So that's why politics is way too serious. If it was really much more humorous and satirical, we'd be laughing at politicians rather than just saying... Oh, our man has to be uh, be able to knock him down. <laughs> well, and again, which is why for a long time uh, on this show, uh, I have I have made the claim that the only legitimate form of in the system uh, activism um, is for that very purpose, right? Not not with the intent to win, but with the intent to mock and belittle uh, the the political process. Right, it it has to be satirical in nature, across the board. So, uh, yeah. candidates again, like Vermin Supreme, right? 
big fan. Uh, one of one of my I'm going to say my premier example of in the system activism, because I don't think he believes in his heart of hearts that he has a chance to win, but his entire act is to mock the system, right? To mock the vote, to mock the entire process. Um, and well, go I, ahead. I, I don't, I, I didn't see him a lot, so I can't comment. Well, you missed out authority about him, but I'd say he spent more t- effort mocking himself in his manner, wearing the boot upside down on his own head is mocking himself. And that's not a way to mock the opponent. I, I, I think there's good humor and there's bad humor. There's good satire and bad satire. And as little as I saw of what he was doing, it wasn't effective uh, satire. In your opinion, because I In disagree. Opinion, and I didn't yeah. see much. Well, I mean, uh, wearing a boot up on t- uh, uh, upside down on his head. Well, um, again, when, when you talk to Vermin silly. about the boot, it is silly. But when you talk to Vermin, right, you, when you ask him about the boot, his general response is, if I didn't have the boot on the head, no one would listen, listen to me. Right. I put the boot on the head. All of a sudden I have a platform. Right. So the, the boot allows him the platform to be heard because everyone wants to hear what the guy with the boot on his head has to say. Uh, and the entire character of Vermin Supreme. Right. If you ask him, like, well, how did you come up with the name Vermin Supreme? Well, all politicians are vermin. So they're always electing vermin. Why not elect the Supreme Vermin? Vermin Supreme. Right. That's the satire. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, uh, Stephen Colbert, John uh, Daly, uh, what, John Stewart, uh, Stewart Daly. What, 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 no, John Stewart of the John Daily Stewart. Show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now Trevor and, Noah. Uh, uh, Pat Paulson and P.J. O'Rourke. They're humorous uh, who I think was made a lot more, had a lot more impact than Vermin Supreme and they didn't have to wear a boot on top of their head in order to get noticed. They they have uh they were not mocking the system they had an agenda of their own that they were working towards at least john stewart stephen colbert and now trevor noah well but they're they're humorous who had a platform a very big platform yes Um, and uh i mean so if you're saying that vermin supreme can only be noticed with a with a hat upside down on his head i don't i don't think that holds i don't think you have to wear a hat upside down your head i think I think South South Park has been much much more effective than Vermin Supreme. None of those people are running for office. None of those people get a presidential platform. Stephen Colbert ran for office. <laughs> In what year and for what Pat, office? Pat Paulson ran for office. Pat Paulson ran for president. You, you're too young to remember that. Yeah. But Pat Paulson was in the 1970s. He was a comedian from the Saturday night uh, from the uh, uh, Laugh In show, and uh, you know. He he was quite a quite a famous comedian because he was mocking uh, uh, the the politi- politicians of the day, and uh, I'd say that uh, Stephen Colbert ran for office in 19, in 2016. He was running for president temporarily. Was he? Was he on any ballots? Like... No, I mean he with he he, he was okay. on I think uh, in South Carolina, but then he withdrew. Okay. I don't I don't know why. But. I mean if that's the case then there's a handful of like only in my state presidential candidates right all over the place that you you can point to and say like wow they didn't have the boot on the head but look they made it on the ballot. 
and I'm well, I'm, I'm saying I, that I'm that's saying not all satirical. I'm saying Supreme because I I only had that one a glimpse of him and i wasn't impressed yeah. with that one glimpse if i had known more about him maybe i would be i'd be very much impressed but well, I, w- uh, I would look into it because he's had the boot on his head for decades and has been like a known entity for decades because of the boot on his head <laughs> okay i've been a libertarian for decades and that's the first i ever heard of him because <laughs> he doesn't always run as a libertarian it just so happens that he was running for, at, on the libertarian ticket this time um on the on the national platform but he he ran oh, i forget what he ran in 2016 might have been a republican might have been just an independent but this time he went ah, you know what libertarians uh, we'll give it a shot and those close to him right will contend that he's not even a real libertarian but that's not even the point he's there well, to mock it, the system no it is the point for libertarians they're not if they're if he wants to run as a libertarian, that's that's important to libertarians that he be that he have a libertarian uh, principles and message. Well, that's why he didn't get elected because he wasn't libertarian enough. And then you end up with Joe Jorgensen, who eh, it's kind of me, it's bleh, doesn't really doesn't really excite anything, right? When it when it comes to the debates, this is another thing that was covered right on social media. Um, they said like, well, if they're not going to get Joe Jorgens in the debates, why don't we just put uh, a blue dress on Vermin Supreme and have him go rate it? And I was like, well, you could have just elected Vermin Supreme and then that's what he would have done without the blue dress. Right. You, you, you want, you want like the Jill Stein moment of 2016, uh, where you just, you just demand to get in and then get arrested. Right. Like, oh no, I'm a presidential candidate. I belong in the debates. Here I am. You know, let's, let's do something about it. Uh, but then you get you get Joe Jorgensen, who's Mrs. Libertarian or Miss Libertarian, right? The the most qualified Libertarian candidate that they had to offer uh, in quite some time. Uh, and during that first debate, right, she goes out on some sort of speaking tour in some city, and even that gets shut down because uh, they weren't practicing proper social distancing. Mm-hmm. And they go like, ah, well, all right. The 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 two big boys have the stage, and the Libertarian candidate has her her you know bus shut down and sent out of town right like that's that's the impression right and if satire is the goal right she offers no satire she's just a she's a principled libertarian meh candidate right do you see the difference between mocking the people in power and mocking yourself i do and vermin and again if we're we're, we're talking about vermin supreme the character of Vermin Supreme does not mock the character of Vermin Supreme. The character of Vermin Supreme exists to mock other presidential or other politicians, right? That's that's the name. That's the boot. It's to say, I am the Supreme Vermin, right? The, with the ponies and the toothbrushing and the, the catchy catchphrases, right? It, it mocks the entire process, but the Vermin Supreme can, uh, character doesn't mock the man portraying the character and it doesn't mock the character itself right it's not slapstick it's it's a it's a character designed to show how silly the whole process is in my opinion and i don't think anyone else successfully mocks the process or the superiority of politicians more so than that specific character in modern times you, you tell me they did it in the seventies. I'll take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have any, I can't speak to that either. 
actually, it would be nice if um, politicians were really nasty so that people would turn against them, but it, it doesn't seem to have worked. I, I, I thought that Trump would have become so nasty and Biden so uh, corrupt that they, people would turn against them, but it doesn't seem to have had that effect. Well, because that's your only two choices. Who are you going to turn to? <laughs> right? The, the, the people that go like Trump is so nasty. And Trump, if you watch the debate, the only debate they had, right, Trump was nasty. Right, that was it. Was you know cringeworthy at some points. I uh, appreciate in others, like you said, some interesting things. Um, but the the downright bully tactics uh, unleashed on Joe Biden that was nasty. Right, that was you know that, that was it, it is what I just said. It's bully tactics for you know an hour and a half. And the problem is you you get the Trump supporters who like that going, yeah, go get him. Right. And the people who are turned off by it go like, well, he's just a big old bully. I'm, I'm voting for that, that nice older gentleman with dementia over there. <laughs> right. And then you got the Biden people who, for the most part, are simply never Trumpers. Right. I, Donald Trump, I think that he, he did uh, some town halls or whatever, and he quipped, right, how, how embarrassing it's going to be if he loses this election. Right. He's like, can you imagine how embarrassing it would be if I lost? to the worst candidate in the history of presidential elections, right? That's, that's how he sees it. And even said so much as like, I might have to leave the United States. Like I might leave. If I lose to the worst candidate in the history of ever, I may have to leave. Go ahead. MC. I, I think Hillary is probably the worst, but I mean, picking between Hillary and, and Biden for, for worst candidate ever. I just, I just can't. Well, okay. So was Hillary a bad candidate or is she just a terrible human being? Well, because I don't think ter- she was a bad human. Can- yeah, I think she was. I it, it, like the only thing she had going for her was that she was a powerful female. That's a redeeming quality for that, that's a, a handful of people. I, sure, I, I don't know what Biden's got going for him. <laughs> right, but as as a candidate, right, you know, Biden. I I, I want to say this: Hillary is probably a much worse person than Biden. Um, you know, the, the the murderings of peoples and having people killed and all that other fun stuff that they talk about Hillary Clinton. Um, fine. Worst human being than Joe Biden or worse human being than Joe Biden. But as a candidate, like how much, how much, uh, how many gaffes, off color remarks, scandals uh, does, does Joe Biden have to go through, go through? Uh, and then, but, but again, people back him because like, you know what, even with all that, Right, the 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 sniffing of children's hair, the rubbings of children's hands on his crotch, uh, the, the 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 racial gaffes, right? The 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 scandal. And they go like, still better than Trump. I just we just can't have that Trump guy around, right? So it laden with scandal, right? You ain't black if you if you're a black dude and you're gonna vote for Donald Trump, you ain't black, right? That quote paraphrase, but quote unquote Joe Biden. What does he have to do? What does he have to do for people to go like, you know what? That guy's just insane. He's got dementia and he's insane. Maybe we should look elsewhere. And to your point, KS, when they look elsewhere, the only thing they turn and see is Donald Trump. And they go, well, shit, if those are my options, it's either never Trump or Joe Biden. They don't see the libertarian candidate. They don't see, they don't see the mocking the vote. Um, you know, we, we locally had the candidate, nobody, you know, gentleman here changed his name to nobody just so nobody would be on the ballot. Ran for mayor, that failed. Ran for governor, that failed. It's not running for president as far as I know. Might change his name back. Who knows? 
but for that for this election cycle, he was nobody. So you so voters had a choice to vote for nobody, and they chose not to. Right? Anyway, you know what? We we can have nobody be our ruler. Uh, no, no, I'd, I'd say he did win by the, of the population, but of those who voted, <laughs> the people who already agreed with him and wanted nobody to win didn't make the effort to go down and put his name on, uh, you know, to, to vote for him. They, they voted for him by not voting. <laughs> sure. So I'd say he won. <laughs> but the people that did vote still had the chance for nobody as their ruler, and they chose a ruler instead, right? The, the, the locals in that city said, like, you know what? We, we could have nobody for mayor, or we could have a mayor, and we'd rather have a mayor. Kind of sad, because nobody was an option, right? And then the, uh, he ran as a Republican. So when the governor's race came about, the primaries, right, people on the Republican ticket said, like, we have the option to have nobody uh, as our governor, or we can have this douchebag who's locking down the state. Uh, and, you know, vast majority well, of people. It, I mean, you know, they, they also, you know, have to, I, I'm, I'm guessing that some people say, oh, this says, this person is, says they're nobody. It doesn't really mean nobody. It means this guy whose name is nobody. And we don't know anything about him. How do we know he's going to be any better? I will grant no. you that. And initially when we first talked about him doing this, um, I said, you should probably uh, disassociate yourself from the campaign as much as possible. Because you don't want this to be about the guy who changed his name to nobody. You just want nobody to be on the ballot. And they Which went a different route. Sounds kind of flaky. It sounds like, well, stand up and, and say your reasons for, for not wanting somebody on the ballot rather than to just, you know, make it a... I mean, I don't know anything about that race either or that guy, so I, I really shouldn't be commenting about him either. But I... He would I'm describe as a libertarian or an anarchist. Yeah, well, that would that would be great. That'd be meaningful to have him explain why he is. and probably he did. I'm I'm guessing that every time he was at a town forum and people asked him why are you why did you change the name, he probably elaborated at some detail about his political sure point of view. Got on local radio stations in in New Hampshire and in Massachusetts. Got you know did a debate with the other person running for governor uh, on the Republican ticket, even though the uh, incumbent was. Uh, Invited, chose not to respond to the invitation, chose not to debate. Um, so yeah, got a got a lot of media coverage because of it. Yeah, uh, but well, how uh, about but, the Free State Project? I, I, don't they dominate the politics yet of New Hampshire? No, not even close. <laughs> there, there's and again, this is uh, this is my gripe, um, but I don't gripe too loud because I'm I don't participate in that aspect of it. Um, but I've 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 spoken to you know Free State Project members. Now here's my thing, right? When I talk to the politicos about local politics, I go, "What is it? What is it going to take, right? Because we can look around the country, and we know that in certain areas of the country, there are laws that allow for more freedom than in New Hampshire, right? There there are certain things that you can do elsewhere that you cannot yet do here." that those people are more free in that one aspect, right? And all I want from free state candidates, right, is to introduce legislation on whatever basis they do that, because I don't pay attention to that either, right, to open up New Hampshire to those freedoms, right? If, if, it's, free, if it's free to do this in Nebraska, but it's prohibited in New Hampshire, well, let's make that free in New Hampshire as well, right? If you can do this thing in Mississippi, Right, but it's prohibited in New Hampshire. 
uh, let's open that up to New Hampshire as well. Because clearly, the people in Mississippi are fine, right? Like, no one's dying specifically because of that. It's not, you don't need to be protected from that particular thing. So let's just, you political people that run for office, that say that you're the liberty candidate, right? Like, let's introduce some legislation to make New Hampshire the actual freest state, right? With the largest New Hampshire advantage uh, by taking all these other freedoms and just bringing them here, right? And the response that I got back when I proposed that from the politicals is, well, we don't want to lose uh, our, our political capital um, or something. I, I don't know if that's the exact terminology um, because in order to get things done, once you get into office, right, the, you got, there's favors being traded, and you can't be introducing these things uh, and, and lose that, you know, lose that political capital um, because no one's, no one's going to back you on it uh, and you have to back them on their stuff. I go, well, that's dumb. What's the point of getting into office then, right? If you're the liberty candidate running on the libertarian platform or, you know, running as a, a Republican libertarian or a libertarian Democrat, whatever, whatever party you happen to be running in as the, you know, the free state project liberty candidate, uh, What's the whole point if all you're going to be doing is carrying on business as usual in order to make sure that you can get elected next time, right? That's a, that doesn't do it. And the answer to that, the answer to that is, well, to stem the flow, right? If we, if we let status candidates get in, then we're going to lose the New Hampshire advantage. So we have to consistently play defense on all these things just to maintain what little advantage we have now. And well, that's just dumb too. Yeah. And it's a lie. I guarantee it's a lie because they're politicians. They might be liberty politicians. They might have moved for the Free State Project, but you know they they they're trying to get into office. Um, you know the good thing about New Hampshire is yeah, politics doesn't pl- pay too well at the local level. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, it's just it's a silly idea. I want to get into office. Why do you want to get into office? So I can stay in office. Like what? Well, <laughs> that's why Donald Trump is running for president still. Right, he got in. Now he wants to stay in. That's that's it. He gets one more crack at this. That's 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 why the, the you know the uh, the the campaign starts so early, right? The reelection campaign starts so early. It's because well, shit. Now that we're here, we got to make sure we stay here. But it's dumb. Get in there, introduce some radical legislation, right? That that moves the uh, the Overton win- window of libertarian discourse way the fuck out towards more freedom and liberty. And then if that's your only shot, fine, then get out. Uh, and hopefully there'll be enough liberty candidates moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project to sustain a campaign of, no, we're going to keep introducing, you know, this this more liberty, more freedom uh, until New Hampshire's number one by a long shot, right? The the the, the beacon of liberty, the, the lighthouse of liberty uh, where everything is so free and everyone is so well off and so better off that people flock here just for more of that freedom, um, and don't bring their status policies from the state they left with them. Cause that's another one. Like, well, the people have moved enough from Massachusetts, they get in here and they vote for more states. So what, well, we have to, we're constantly on the defensive. Like, well, get over that, right? Go on the offensive, go on the offensive. And if shit passes where, you know, it gets too egregious. Then we start the whole non-compliance, non-cooperation, uh, civil disobedience aspect of things, right? We go like, all right, fine. You passed the law. We're still not going to follow it. It was dumb. We're not, we don't believe it. We're not going to do it. 
End of story. Right? Two tracks. Moving on. Yep, moving on. All right, here's one for you guys. Hawaii has committed suicide. Local rages. <laughs> Hardly anyone is sick, but we're all broke. <laughs> and, and I would say, like, take a look at your politicians, right? Who's in charge? If it's all Democrats, well, you've got what's coming to you. While we have grown used to people, well, at least those who are capable of thinking for themselves of Michigan and California complaining that the tyrannical COVID lockdown rules imposed by governors Whitmer and Newsom are arbitrarily and capricious, if not downright unconstitutional, it's less often we hear from those living on the beautiful islands of Hawaii. For many mainlanders, the thought of a vacation to Hawaii or anywhere but the apartment they have been suffering in for seven months are heavenly. However, as the following rural Hawaiian exclaims in her Twitter thread, Hawaii is committing suicide with its cargo cult level bullshit travel restrictions. Uh, Mom, folding laundry at folding laundry underscore laundry, begins her righteous rant as follows. Guys, I cannot tell you how bad it is in Hawaii. They canceled our flights without telling us. It took an hour to get through the new security checkpoint. A guy there, a surgeon with an exemption, was telling the people to go ahead and arrest him. We had to check into a hotel in Oahu overnight. We can't leave the room because we are technically quarantined. I have to fill out paperwork again to go from one island to our own. This is bullshit. You think tourists are coming back in four days? Oh, what's the date on this? The 13th. So, yeah, today would be the fourth day. Hawaii has committed suicide. We may legit have to move. This is ridiculous. In closing, I will say this. Shut the fuck up about the dangers of COVID. What is happening in Hawaii is some cargo cult level praying to the gods for deliverance from the plague. Bullshit. Hardly anyone is sick here, but we are all broke. At this point, I feel like the response to COVID should have been managed at the federal level. The state-to-state bullshit is not working. I am a goddamn American. I'm entitled to the same rights as any other American. I'm not even kidding that there were only like 50 people on our plane to Oahu from Seattle, and one of them, a surgeon, ended up yelling at airport security to go ahead and arrest him. Uh, The state of Hawaii is trying to detain him, even though he has surgeries to give in the morning. The man comes to Hawaii once a month to perform surgeries. Every month, they keep changing the regulations for entry. The state or Hawaii, uh, maybe of Hawaii, is denying their citizens access to medical treatment via their constant changing of their rules. This doesn't even surprise me. Uh, Many of us here in Hawaii use medical services that come from other islands or even from the mainland. Hawaii's ridiculously overzealous travel restrictions are going to make it so that even fewer doctors are available to serve the citizens. The veterinarian who sees my horse normally flies in from Oahu. Until recently, he was the only uh, equine vet serving the island. Our only pediatric psychiatrist on island works half-time on another island. These travel restrictions are not only cumbersome, but risk lives. I'm currently walking my uh, yeah, I'm currently walking my kid through creating her own account and filling out her own paperwork online. Oh, sorry, missed the line. Hawaii has instigated an online safe travel program that tracks movements in and out of the various islands. 
I'm currently walking my kid through yada yada. She's 18, so she is required to have this. They wouldn't let me do both of us on my phone. She needs to do it on her phone. What 18-year-olds without phones do, I do not know. I have a doctoral degree and struggle to figure this out. My kid would not have figured it out without me. The new travel requirements will trap Hawaii residents here as securely than if they were slaves. And this is where people say I'm being hyperbolic, but at what point is the loss of your freedom, at what point in the loss of your freedom do you speak up? Uh, The thread prompted numerous sympathetic responses, including more than a few like this, signaling Trump support is on the rise. Hang on, there's a picture on Twitter with a whole bunch of Trump fans. Hang on, we're working on getting our aloha back. And finally, here's his mom folding laundry with some advice. Home finally, take my advice. Do not come to Hawaii right now. It is an utter disaster. Uh, so my question to you, gentlemen, is she wrong? MP, you wanna take <laughs> don't don't all speak at uh, once. Your your boots yeah. on the ground. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in my 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 own bubble. Um, your own quarantine bubble. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know how people are are getting by now. It's it's really weird. I don't know. I don't know if it's just from the uh, the, the handouts, the, the stimulus packages that have been done, or what. But was it uh, enough? Even I, no, I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I I really don't know. I don't know enough people that have had to either leave the state or. Uh, or I don't know, not pay, not pay rent. I mean, I guess that's still a thing. That's still a thing. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know, probably after January, February, something like that. Oh, after the elections, a couple of weeks, they'll they'll figure, they'll have it all figured out. And once they know who's in office. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, well, because if there was anything bad, our, our media wouldn't tell us anyway. I mean, they, they, they they have acknowledged that uh, there's there's a significant loss of uh, jobs and income and the economy's really bad and lo- loss of tax revenue all these things but they keep saying it's because of COVID and and not the government uh, regulations so well that's where it's important to speak out and say it's not because of COVID it's because sure. of the government response to right. COVID right um, and and that every time. Hawaii News Now or anybody posts that, they get a flood of people saying, no, it's it's not COVID, it's the government. Um, so that's healthy and, uh, you know, kind of surprising in Hawaii, but... Um, ah, but in a couple of weeks, they're still going to all vote blue. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be shocked because they're doing the mail-in ba- ballots now. Okay. And the, the, the people that were silent before... Uh, that don't vote because, well, it always goes uh, Democrat, uh, but, you know, they, they might all swing. I don't know, but I, you know, I'm not saying that that uh, Republicans are going to win in Hawaii. I don't even think they have enough Republicans running <laughs> to fill any of the seats. But um, And to be honest, but, the last time I saw political ads on air in Hawaii, I could not tell the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, the, they're all crap. All the politicians are crap here. Um, um, but I, I, I suspect that they're going to be uh, surprised by the numbers. 
All right. Regardless of you know whether Republicans win or, or whether Trump wins in Hawaii, I don't know. The beginning of a sea change, perhaps, in the political arena. Um, maybe. I I don't like, but like you said, I don't think the quality of candidates will improve. So, so ride it out it, or it, move. It, it would probably be just as bad or worse if you know whatever Republican wins. <laughs> KS. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I mean, surprises are possible, um, and the voters could would get so frustrated and angry with the situation. They have plenty of reason to be angry. I think that writer that that you're quoting there shows uh, a lot of the frustration people have with uh, David Ige. Um, but whether or not that's going to translate into, I mean, what happens is in Hawaii is there's factions among the Democrats that switch back and forth when there's angry with one, then they go with the other faction. I don't see it switching over to a Republican uh, administration or vote. Um, you know, well, we'll see, you know, I, I, if, if I was to bet, I'd still, I'd say it, it was fit the pattern as the past, but who knows there could be surprises. All right. Well, we will see in a couple of weeks. Final thoughts. Take that as a no. I think. Aloha. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, uh, telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. <laughs>